and all. Will you stand with us? Let's sing this morning to a God who does great things.
seated. Welcome to Kavanaugh Church. How's everybody? Good. Awesome. We're so glad you're here. And today we're going to focus on our Savior, on Jesus. Uh, as, as we sing about in this song, Jesus, he sets us free because we all can fall into bondage to one thing or another, but Jesus can free us from that. And he offers forgiveness of our sins and eternal life in heaven. Uh, so because of that, we're going to praise him. We're going to, we're going to worship him with everything we got. Okay? Are y'all in? All right. Awesome. Awesome. Stand up, and we're going to pray right now, and then we want you just to continue uh, praising the Lord. God, we love you, and thank you for the privilege to be here today in your house. Lord, there's no one like you, and we thank you, Lord, that we can truly find freedom uh, from bondage in our life. We thank you that we can find forgiveness of our sins when we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, there's no one like you, God, so today we are going to pour our praise out on you. Help us to, to worship you, Lord. Uh, with, with every part of our being. We love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
you are weary or tired of the struggle or tired of fighting a battle, whether it's within or without, but if you're in that place, have good cheer. I want you to hear these verses this morning in Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. And to them who have no might, he increases your strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men will utterly fall. Here's the key. They that wait upon the Lord. Okay, when you release it, when you take your hands off of it, say, I'm done with the fight, I'm done with the struggle, and you wait on the Lord. Listen to his promise right here. The Lord will renew your strength, and you will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk, and you will not faint. We can trust him this morning. Turn it over to him, our everlasting God.
were the word at the beginning. Once with God the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. We didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. 
the fact that you and only you can turn our lives around, Father. You give strength when we're weak and when we're weary. Lord, we come to you with our praise and our worship this morning. Lord, help us just remove everything else, empty our hearts to you, and just give you and you alone this time, Father. Turn our attention heavenward. We're so grateful to be in this place that we can call on your name and we can worship you together with other believers. Lord, it's encouraging and strengthening to us. I just pray that you would just continue to work in this place. And for those that are online, Lord, Lord, just meet our needs. That's what you want to do if we just ask. So Lord, we just ask right now that you come into this place, change our lives, help us to be better for being here, worshiping you. We want to give you all the glory and all the praise to the powerful, the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. In your name I pray, amen. weekly. Uh, welcome those of you who are in person. I uh, welcome those who are online. We're glad that you're with us today in the Lord's house. Uh, we're going to start the way we've started the last nine weeks, but it's not on the screen for you today, all right? I'm weaning you off the words, and now I'm asking that you remember this in your head, in your heart. I want you to say out loud with me our mission statement the best you can remember, all right? Follow along with me. At Kavanaugh Church, our mission is is to win people to Christ, to train believers to become disciples, and then to send disciples out to impact our world. That's it. We're about winning people to Christ, training believers to become disciples, and then we all go back out into the world to reach our world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Over the last nine Sundays, we've talked about the first element in our mission statement, and that is winning people to Jesus Christ. And that's where it begins, when we have a relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We're going to transition this morning uh, from winning people to Christ and us being the bridge that people walk across to get to God to the second element of our mission statement, and that is training believers to become disciples, all right? Uh, in fact, that word disciple is a biblical word. In the Great Commission, Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever he has commanded. And then he made this promise, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So our job as a church is to win people to Christ and then disciple them in their relationship with Christ. Now, a disciple is simply someone who follows Jesus. As a disciple, I am to become like Christ. And that happens the moment that I'm saved. 
Uh, Here's a big Bible word for you, a theological word, sanctification. The word sanctification means to be set apart from evil and consecrated unto God. And the moment you're saved, positionally, you are sanctified. God has set you apart. You have a a new heart, a new future. You are sanctified unto the Lord. So sanctification happens immediately. You become a follower of Jesus. But it's also a progressive thing. We call that progressive sanctification. Every day I am to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every day I am to be more like Christ. Today I should be more like Christ than I was yesterday. Tomorrow I should be more like Jesus Jesus than I am today. That's what discipleship is. It's growing in Jesus Christ, being sanctified, being set apart. And that happens, listen to this, day by day. Progressive sanctification happens day by day. The miracle of sanctification happens through the new birth. The growth of sanctification happens when you make a conscious decision every day. You know what? I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to be more like Jesus Christ. I am going to be His disciple today, a day-by-day thing. Now, for a lot of people, Christianity... To them, it only counts on Sundays. (laughs) They have a Sunday-to-Sunday Christianity. But you know what? That concept is not found in the Word of God. It's a day-by-day thing, all right? In fact, listen to this. In my research of the Scripture, I have found that literal phrase in the Bible, day-by-day. And I love that phrase, day-by-day. There are several times it is used in the Word of God. I've picked out six of them that are my favorite And hopefully over the next six weeks, we are going to talk about growing in discipleship, growing day by day. And the first time it appears that I want to share with you is found in Luke's gospel, chapter 11. Now, we're going to look at numerous verses in Luke chapter 11, but let me begin with verses 1 through 4. Now, it came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord... Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, and there's our phrase, say it with me, day by day our daily what? Bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word and now the preaching of your word. Lord, as as I speak this on the outside, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak it into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So before I get into growing day by day in this concept of daily bread, let me just start by saying there's one thing I've learned about God through the years that I've lived, and it's simply this. God takes care of his children. Okay, you agree with me? I know this not only from the Bible, but from personal experience. As a child of God, I know that God loves me and that God is going to take care of me. The Bible says this, 
God's compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The psalmist said, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Jesus said in his sermon on the mount, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For your heavenly father knows that you have need of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things that we worry about will be given to us. The Apostle Paul said, And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then in our text today, Jesus invites us to pray, Give us day by day our daily bread. Now those words, give us day by day our daily bread, are found in the middle of what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. And here in Luke chapter 11, we have one version of that prayer. Now, look at how this verse begins in verse number 1. All this begins with these words. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. So, Jesus was there and Jesus was praying, which was his custom. When he ceased praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And as I read that this past week, it made me wonder. I, I really wonder which one of the disciples asked that question. Which one of the 12 asked it? Was it one of the big three, Peter, James, or John? I, I don't know. It could have been one of the lesser known and quieter disciples like Bartholomew or Philip. I, I don't know which one it was. And then I had this thought. I wonder if you or I had been one of Jesus' disciples if we were to have asked that question. Would you have asked Jesus that question? Well, whoever it was, this disciple wanted to know how to pray. And he had seen Jesus praying, and he knew that somehow or another, Jesus connected with God when he prayed. He knew there was power and persistency in Jesus' prayer. And so he just had this simple request, Lord, teach us to pray. And in answering, Jesus gave his greatest sermon on prayer. Really, this is a sermon that goes beyond the model prayer. It, it feeds down into the next few verses. And, and there is a sermon here with three points that Jesus made. He makes three suggestions as to how we can improve our prayer life. And the concept of daily bread occurs in all three of these suggestions. You might say that bread is the thread that ties Jesus' points together. I worked really hard on that, so come on, help me out. Hey, bread is the thread that just ties it all together. And so let's take note of Jesus' three points. Here's what you need to know to grow day by day. Number one, just simply learn to ask God to meet your need. Whatever your need is, you just need to ask God to meet your need. We, we read about this in Luke 11, verses 2 through 4. So he said to them, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven. Now, let me just stop right here. I've preached on the model prayer before. It occurs in several of the Gospels in different forms. And I really don't think Jesus meant for us to just recite this prayer. However, if you want to recite it, that's perfectly fine. I do that quite often. 
I really think what he's teaching us, this is the model of how we pray. And as we pray, the first thing that we need to be doing is giving praise to God. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And really, I think that's a pretty good suggestion. When you start praying, give praise to God because he is worthy to receive your praise. And if you don't praise him, the rocks are going to. So start your prayer with praise to God. Holy is your name. And then here's this concept. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I really don't want to get sidetracked, and I'm going to get to my point, which is the next phrase in here. But let me just say this. Did you realize that God has a perfect will for your life already recorded in heaven? God has his will for your life today, this very day, November the 1st, 2020, already written down on the scrolls in heaven. And I think our attitude and our prayer should be this. Lord, I pray that I would fulfill your will on earth today as you have it designed in heaven. God's already got it figured. He's got a plan for your life today. Decisions that you will make today. Words that you will speak today. But he doesn't force you to do his will. You have your own free will. That's why I like free will Baptist. God doesn't take our free will away. We have a choice and whether or not to serve him today. So here it is. God has a perfect will for you. Pray, Lord, would your will be done in my life today as you have it recorded in heaven? That's how I want to flesh it out. That's a good concept right there. And then here it is. Give us our daily bread. Read that with me. Ready? Give us day by day our daily bread. And then he goes on to talk about forgiveness and forgiving others. He talks about keep us far from temptation and keep us far from the evil one. But here's this concept that we're looking at today. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now, it makes you wonder, okay, what's he talking about there? Is he just talking about a loaf of bread? Well, I do know that bread was the substance of life back then. They lived, literally lived on bread. But, but is that all he's talking about? I mean, I think the concept is bigger than that. I think he's talking about our needs, whatever our needs are. They are represented in that word bread. Lord, give me what I need today. Now, here's a little pop quiz. Do y'all remember my hometown? Where was I raised? Midland, Texas. Well, I love Midland, Texas. I, something happens in, in the fall of the year. Jason and Brent, I get a longing to go back out to West Texas. I mean, I just kind of, I feel, I, I don't get to go out there, but I, I, I just, I loved West Texas. Man, so beautiful. There's no trees to block your view. <laughs> Tumbleweeds blowing all the time, man. So I, I grew up in Midland, Texas. I went to Emerson Elementary School from the first to the sixth grade. Back then, we couldn't play football until we got into the fifth grade. They didn't have... You know, football that started at third grade or, you know, at the boys club in the first grade zone. We had to wait till the fifth grade. And I went to Emerson Elementary, so I played on my school's team, the Emerson Knights. We only had one team, and we were pretty good in the sixth grade. We, we won all of our games except one game, sixth grade year. Now, we had one guy on the team that was just, I mean, he was, he was, he was our whole team, really. His name was Herbie Pierce. Mom, Dad, remember Herbie? Herbie is a good friend of mine. Herbie was the fullback, and um, 
quarterback, B.B. Langsford, would get the ball, and he would hand the ball to Herbie, either, either two-slot or four-slot on the right side, three-slot or five-slot on the left side, and Herbie would just plow through, and nobody could tackle Herbie. He was so big. It would take five or six guys on the opposite team to drag him down. And our whole game plan was ride Herbie, just ride Herbie. He was a fullback. I was the halfback because I was half Herbie size, okay? And occasionally, if we were winning the game, the coach would call sweep right or sweep left. B.B. would get the ball. He'd pitch it back to me, and I would just follow Herbie around the end, and Herbie would just push guys out of the way, and I would follow him all the way into the end zone, and I would, they would let me score a touchdown every once in a while. But our key was Herbie Pierce, huge, huge kid. Like I say, we won every game except one game. That was the game we played against the team from across town. And literally, we were beaten before the kickoff. Because when we went onto the field, we realized really quick that their littlest guy was bigger than Herbie. <laughs> they were huge. Okay, we're talking about sixth graders, but we found out, figured out, that all of those kids on that team as sixth graders shaved before the game, and they drove themselves to the game, all right? They were, just, they were, they were enormous. And so uh, our first possession, first play, we give the ball to Herbie. He hit a brick wall, didn't go anywhere. Second play, the left side, he lost the yard. And so the coach called on third down, sweep right. B.B. got the ball, pitched it back to me. I, got the, I came around the right side. Herbie's in front of me. I saw their linebacker. He came up and just, with his arm, pushed Herbie out of the way like he was a rag doll. And I saw this guy coming at me. He put his helmet down, stuck it in my gut, wrapped me around, picked me up, carried me back five yards, and pile-drived me into the ground. I had never been hit that hard in my life. And here's what he did. When he put his helmet down, he knocked the wind out of me. First time I'd ever had the wind knocked out of me. Have you, raise your hand. Have you ever had the wind knocked out of you? And you know what? The first time it happened, you thought you were going to die, didn't you? I was terrified. I was laying on the ground, and I thought, I rem it's like it was yesterday, Jason. I thought, this guy just killed me. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my air. Coach ran out there. He could tell I was panicking. He said, Willie Bill, it's okay. And I don't know why they would do this, but he reached down and he grabbed the inside of my pants right there and just yanked me up, all 65 pounds of me, just pulled me up. And I don't know, Joy, somehow I started breathing when they lifted me up like that. Here, here is the point. Without oxygen... You're going to die. You need oxygen to live. It's one of the basic needs in life. I wasn't getting any oxygen. I thought I was about to die. We need oxygen to But that's only one of the needs in our life. We need food. <laughs> Maybe not as much as we think we do, but we need food. We need water. We need shelter. But, but there are other needs that are just as real. We have emotional needs and relational needs, and we have spiritual needs. We are upright, breathing, 
walking around bundles of needs. And we're not alone in this. In fact, when you read through the pages of the Bible, you will find that every person in the Bible had their own distinct moments of personal need. Let me just give you a few examples. Adam needed companionship. Really bad. Ruth needed a kinsman redeemer. The widow in Elisha's time needed oil. The people of the city of Nineveh needed revival. Blind Bartimaeus needed vision. The woman who reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment needed that issue of blood to stop flowing in her life. Everyone has their own special needs. So I'd just, like to just pause right now. Time out. What is your need? What need do you have in your life today? I want you to think of what is it that is the greatest need that I have in my life today? That need that is represented in that little phrase, our daily bread. And whatever your need is, let me tell you, God is more than adequate and able to meet your need. And what he's telling us to do here, you need to learn dependence upon God. You need to come to a point in your life where you realize, you know what? The synthetic substitute that I get from the world is not really going to meet my need. The world can't fix my problems. You can't fix your own problems. Part of growing up is a day-by-day recognition that I need to rely on God himself to meet the basic needs in my life. That's what discipleship is. Realize you can't do it on your own. I need God to do this in me and through me. And so you just simply ask God to meet your need. Number two, ask God persistently to meet your need. It's in the next paragraph. Jesus stresses that we should ask God for our daily bread persistently. And notice again how this concept of bread is brought up in this next paragraph. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And so he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to join me, come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I can't rise up and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his what? Persistence. He will rise and give him not just three loaves of bread, but as many (laughs) as he can. Here again, we have the concept of our daily bread. That is our daily needs. And Jesus is teaching us through this story that we are to ask God with persistence. We just keep on asking God. Now, here's this story. I've, I've talked about this story before uh, in a different message when we were preaching on the Holy Spirit. But let me remind you what's happening here. Here's this one man, and he has two different friends. His first friend is on a journey. He lives in another town. And he's traveling through. It's late at night. It's after midnight. He's been traveling all day. He's tired. He's hungry. He needs a bed for the night. And he needs some food in his belly. And so he goes to his friend's house and knocks on the door and says, Hey, can I borrow a bed for tonight? 
and a loaf of bread. His friend says, sure, come on in. Again, there were no Motel 6, no Holiday Inn Express, no Hilton Garden Inns back then. You either slept out in the open when you were traveling, or if you had a friend and they would let you, you would stay in your friend's house. And so he has his friend, invites him in. Friend goes to his cupboard, looks for a loaf of bread to free, feed his traveling friend. There's no food. Everything had been eaten. So he says, why don't you go ahead and wash up? I've got a neighbor down the street. We'll just call his name Joe. I've got a neighbor down there, Joe. He's got a big family. They always cook a bunch of food. Surely he will have some bread left over. I'll go borrow a few loaves of bread and come back and feed you. Go, just go ahead and make yourself comfortable. He goes down the street, and again, remind me, what time is it? Midnight. It's after midnight. Joe and his family are asleep. There are no lights on, but the friend knocks on the door. Again, just a short explanation. They didn't have big houses back then. They had one-room houses. And that one room was, was everything. At night, they would sleep in the room. In the morning, they would move all the cots and pallets out of the way, and they would live in that room and cook in that room. But here at night, everybody was sleeping in, in the same room. The, the door was shut and barred. The man was way over here across the room. All of his kids were sleeping in here. And I don't know, maybe he had one of those nights when, when one of the kids was was cutting their teeth, and another one had sinus problems. And you know how it is when you're trying to get kids to sleep and there's, there's problems? It took forever. But now they were all asleep. You with me? And what does he hear? Hey, Joe, I need some bread. What does the man inside say? Go away. I have just gotten these kids to sleep, and I swear if you wake one of them up, <laughs> what happens? He just keeps knocking. He just keeps He will not go away. I told the first service, it reminds me of Kendall Ross. Y'all remember Kendall? <laughs> Kendall was on staff at our church for years. He was, he was our music minister, and then Kendall went and pastored the Ozark Church. Uh, Kendall was a preacher. He had, he had this pastoral face he would wear, but he was also a businessman. He had spent his whole life in business. He was an engineer at Ream, and you know, just like that, he could change from preacher to businessman. It was, it was cool to see, you know, and, and one of our national meetings was in Memphis, Tennessee one year, and Kendall had reserved all these rooms for everybody traveling. We had like 30 people going to the national Sunday afternoon. We drove to Memphis, and we got to this hotel, and man, we walked in. We knew we were in trouble, you know. Kendall went up to the desk because he had reserved all the rooms, eight, nine rooms, and, and he said, I'm Kendall Ross, Cavanaugh Church. We've reserved all these rooms. I'd like to go ahead and get the keys. We've already paid for it. And the little lady behind the counter said, oh, sir, I'm sorry. We've overbooked, and your rooms are not available. I saw the face change. Kendall, my brother Kendall changed from Pastor Kendall to businessman Kendall. And he said, hold on a minute. We do have rooms. We've already paid for these rooms. And you're going to produce these rooms for us now. And they, they went back and forth. And finally, I, I hadn't said anything. Finally, I just looked at her and said, ma'am, he's not going to leave until you give him the keys. So you might, as well, you might as well find those rooms for us. You know what Kendall was? Persistent. 
He wasn't going to walk away from that counter until we had our rooms. So was this man. He was persistent. I love the way this one theologian put it. He says, persistence did what friendship would not do. And this man's importunity was the secret of his provision. And Jesus is saying, it's a good thing. You ask me for the needs that you have in your life, but you know what? I want you to keep on asking. Here's what I found out. Sometimes God just waits to answer our prayer to see how much we really want this thing answered, to see how persistent we are, to see how much we can grow closer to him through the process of asking before he gives. Have you heard the name David Jeremiah? He's a big-time pastor out in California. Uh, he tells when he was in seminary, Dr. Howard Hendricks was one of his professors. One day they were in the classroom waiting for Dr. Hendricks to come in, and finally when this professor came into the room, he had been weeping, and tears were still running down his eyes, and it took him a while to get his composure, and he said, gentlemen, let me, let me just tell you what, what is happening here and why I'm so emotional. My father, who is 70 years old, was just saved. My 70-year-old dad just asked Jesus into his heart. And he said, that might not mean anything to you guys until I tell you for the past 40 years, every single day, without fail, I have been asking God to save my dad. And today, God said yes. Now, persistence. George Mueller, another great pastor, prayed for 52 years for one of his friends to be saved. His friend was finally saved, but it was after Mueller's death. For years, I have kept a prayer list. And here's the cool thing about keeping a prayer list. You, you write down all the needs that you have or the needs of others, and they're on your prayer list, and you pray daily for these things. Here's the cool thing. Sometimes things don't stay on my list very long. You know, I'll write it down and pray about it. Sometimes before the day is over, God answers that prayer. And I can mark it off my list. Other things, they stay on my list for quite a while. Days, weeks, months, sometimes years. And then God answers and I can mark them off. But here's the reality. There are some things on my current prayer list that have been on there for years. Every day, I have been praying for years to God, for God to answer, and I'm still waiting for God to answer those prayers. But you know what? That's part of the process. That's part of becoming a disciple. That's part of learning dependence on God and reliance on God. God is just telling me, Will, it's, it's not in my timing right now. You've got to understand I'm working on other things as well, and I'm putting this all together in a great plan. When I'm ready, I will answer, but I want you to keep asking because your continual asking is helping you grow closer to me, and you're bonding with me. I like the way Jesus put it in Luke chapter 18. He says, we ought always to pray and not to faint. If you're praying, you're not fainting. If you're fainting, you're not praying. Amen. Put it that way. We pray that God meets our needs, whatever that need is, and we pray with persistence. That means day by day, reliance on God, and that reliance causes growth to happen in our life. So whatever your need is, ask God to meet that need. Number two, pray persistently about it. And then number three, pray in childlike faith. 
As he finished this sermon on prayer in Luke chapter 11, Jesus made this simple point about asking in childlike faith. And here again, we have the example of daily bread. Look at verses 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. A continuation of persistence. Keep asking, knocking, seeking. And then here's the story. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer to his son a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks him? Now, y'all know that I'm a dad. I've raised three kids, and now we got two grandkids. And I've heard this hundreds of times, thousands of times. Dad, I'm hungry. Or, Dad, I'm thirsty. Now, what do you do when a little kid asks you that as a dad or a mom? Shut up! <laughs> Go to bed! No, you get it for them. If they're hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. Maybe later on when they get bigger, you say, get it for yourself. That's what Angie tells me. Just get it. Okay, right? Let's just do a timeout. Let me think of it this way. I'm a sinner by nature and by choice. You know what? So are you. We all have a sinful nature. All of us in this room are descendants of Adam. And as the Bible puts it, in my flesh dwells no good thing. In and of myself and in and of yourself, there is no good thing about us. All of our righteousness pulled together is as filthy rags. And yet, when one of my kids would ask for a glass of milk, I guarantee you, I am not going to give them a jar of vinegar. And if one of my kids were to ask me for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, even today, I wouldn't give them a slice of bread with a dirt clot on it. And if I, being evil, know how to provide good things for the needs of my children, don't you think that our Heavenly Father, who is perfect and who is good, will supply us, his children, with all of the needs that we have in our life. When Jesus used this same analogy in his Sermon on the Mount, he phrased it a little differently. Matthew chapter 7, he said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let that sink in. But here in Luke's version, he said it like this. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So how do you fit these two verses together? Well, all of our needs ultimately are spiritual needs. Because we're spiritual beings. And so our greatest need is for the Holy Spirit's provision in our hearts and in our lives. It's the Spirit of God who takes the promises of God 
in the scriptures of God and activates them and actualizes them in the believer's experience. So we ask, we believe, and then we depend on him. Just like a kid depends on their mom and dad, we depend on our heavenly father. Is this fitting in your head? Is it making sense? Let me tell you a story to draw it all together. I don't know if you've heard the name of Elmer Towns, but Elmer Towns was a, a church growth guru. He was, he was a Bible scholar, seminary professor. Back in 1971, Elmer Towns and Jerry Falwell co-founded Liberty University. Okay? Great, great man of God. He, he tells a story of when he and his wife Ruth were in Bible college. Elmer was working as hard as he could in Bible college, and he, he drove a school bus. This was a long time ago. He was paid $1 an hour. And so they just barely had enough to, to live on, okay? I, I can remember college days. Any of y'all just barely eking out survival mode here. He said, we remember well one day coming home and opening the cabinets, and the only thing in the house, the only thing in the kitchen to eat was a can of tuna. So Ruth made this tuna casserole, and we sat down at our little dinette to eat it, and we clasped hands, and, and I prayed, and I said, God, please, please bless this food to the nourishment of our body, and God, please help us, because we're broke. <laughs> it's going to be two more days before I get paid, and, and we don't have any food, and Lord, we're willing to fast for the next two days, if, if that's your will, we're, we're willing to do it, but please, Lord, would you hear our prayer, and would you just provide for us so that we can make it the next two days. They said amen. They ate their tuna casserole. And as Ruth was uh, getting the dishes together to clean them, they, they heard a knock on the door. It was the laundry man. That's back when the laundry man would come and pick up clothes to be cleaned. They'd clean them, bring them back and deliver. And Ruth said to him, said, oh, we don't, we don't have any clothes to be clean. We, could, we couldn't afford it anyway. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not here to pick anything up. I'm here to make a delivery. He said, Mr. Elmer, do you remember uh, just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, the, the pipes here in the apartment complex froze and, and you spent all day thawing them out? And Elmer said, yeah, I remember that. He said, well, th the owner of the apartment complex asked me to give you $20 for your work that day and I just totally forgot to give it to you. And then just a few minutes ago, I was down the street, and I had this, this, this impulse come over me. Remember the $20 that you owe Elmer? <laughs> and he said, so I just brought you the money. Thanks for doing that for your landowner. And he turned around and left. Ruth shut the door. But you know what? Both of them knew that that was no coincidence. He remembered a few moments ago. Because in their mind, they calculated the time. That was the very moment that they were praying and asking God in childlike faith to take care of them. And he did. I don't know what your need is today, but I guarantee you, you got one. Everybody in this room has at least one need. You've been trying to meet that need on your own, or you've been looking to the world to meet that need, and you've come up with a great big zero. Those of you watching online, what, what is your need? Every one of us has a need. It, it could be for material 
provision. It could be a physical need. It might be an emotional need or a relational need. It could very well be a spiritual need. But you know what? If you keep looking to the world or yourself to meet this need, you're going to keep coming up with nothing. Because only God can meet the needs that you have in your life. So this morning, I'm just, I'm just asking you, trust God. <laughs> Ask God. Keep asking God. And ask God with childlike faith. And if you ask him in faith, he will answer and he will provide. Heavenly Father, would you do that for us now? For everyone in this room and everyone listening online. I pray, dear God, that you would meet our needs as only you can. Our daily bread needs. As we ask you in childlike faith, I pray that you would answer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask that you stand up with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're watching online, you can stand up too. We can't come and use the altars anymore. I'll be glad when we can come back and pray at the altar. Something special about that. But you know what? That place you're standing is special. Because right now it becomes your altar. It's holy ground that you're standing on. A couple of things about standing there on holy ground. And realizing the need that you have in your own life. Maybe your need right now is a spiritual need that only Jesus can meet. If you're listening to me online or standing in this room and you've never been saved, today can be your day of salvation. Jesus can meet that need as you pray and ask him to come into your life. So would you do that by faith? Jesus, save me today. I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. And then for the rest of you, Pray the prayer, Lord, I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want to grow day by day. And so help me beginning today to ask you to meet the needs in my life, to pray persistently, and to pray in childlike faith. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us as we become real with you in this very moment. Meet the needs that we have in our life as only you can. For we trust you and we believe in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated just for a moment, and then I'm going to release you out into the world, all right? Pray, pray day by day that you grow in Jesus Christ. Tonight at 6.30, I'd ask that you uh, tune in to Facebook Live and uh, listen to our adult Bible study. Ronnie Fox is going to be teaching that lesson, so uh, tune in for that. When you walk out these doors, there's a little black box there. It's for you to drop your offering into. If you're giving for Adopt-A-Family, make sure you note your check or your giving envelope for Adopt-A-Family. If you're watching online, you can give online, or of course you can mail your tithe check into the church. We would definitely appreciate it. Come Wednesday night, we have things going on for all ages, and I don't know that I need to remind you of this, but please be praying for what happens on Tuesday and vote, all right? I've never been a preacher who made the pulpit a political platform, and I'm not going to do that today, but I am going to encourage and challenge you to vote. Do your own research. Look at what each candidate believes in, their statements of faith, what they're going to support, and compare that to what the Word of God says. And then vote your conscience. If you need help, come and talk to me privately. I'd be, I'd be happy 
happy to talk to you. One last thing. We've got a new, new cool thing that's starting today. It's our digital connect card. We've not been able to use connect cards with guests, so if you're a guest here today, uh, we'd like for you to connect with us digitally. For all of us, since this is brand new, pull your phone out. I never ask you to pull your phone out, but pull your phone out, turn it on, uh, get on the, the photo segment. All you have to do is take a picture of, of that little code up there, and uh, it looks to me like that's kind of one of those old Pac-Man things. But anyway, just take a picture of that. It connects you with KavanaughChurch.com, and you can connect with us and fill out all the information. Is it working for you? Did it work? Okay, cool. Digitally, you can connect now. Thank you, Devin, for doing that. Give Devin a big hand. Appreciate him and technology that we have. I want you to remember, I love you, the staff loves you, this church loves you, but most of all, God loves you. So grow day by day. We'll see you Wednesday.